Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Many parents today have allowed their children to rule their home. Uh, And really the child isn't to blame for that. It's really, the blame is really laid at the feet of the parents for allowing that to happen. You can't have a rebellious takeover. And we see this spirit of rebellion, not not only in the home uh, with young children, but we see it in society and our culture when it comes to young people respecting their elders. It needs to start in the home. It needs to start in the home. So I'd like us to get some understanding of God's order for parental authority. And in Proverbs 29, we get a general principle concerning authority. That's not a bad word. That's a, that's a Bible uh, principle. That's a Bible word. Proverbs chapter number 29. I know you're familiar with this. Verse number 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. That is a general Bible principle that can be applied to all situations. Parents, are you ruling your home righteously the way, the right way God would want you to? If you are, there should be rejoicing in the home. Now, that's a general principle that we can apply to almost any area of life. Um, Go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. Here's how Jesus taught. Matthew chapter 7, and it's in verse... Uh, number 29. Give me a bit to get there. Matthew 7, verse number 29. Speaking of Jesus, it says, For He taught, that's Jesus, He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Authority is a good thing. It's, it's, it's a description of how Jesus taught. And he was His authority should have been respected more by uh, people, but, but we need to respect authority. Why? Because Jesus, that is the manner in which he taught. Look at Matthew number 8. We, uh, Matthew chapter 8. In verse number 9, we see also this principle of authority, not just as a general rule. It's not just how Jesus taught, but we also see it in, in the military aspect, soldiers. Verse number 9, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, Go when he goeth. Why? Because he understood the authority structure. And to another come and he cometh. And to my servant do this, and he doeth it. So authority is a good thing, and we see it in those aspects of life. Um, Go to 1 Timothy 2. It says, Young Christian or a newly married man, he loves this verse. He, of course, rests it to his own destruction, doesn't rightly divide it, but 
Go to 1 Timothy 2. Uh, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now that's in context of the church. We'll have uh, men doing the preaching and teaching amongst a, mig- a mixed congregation. And that works in harmony and it's joyful uh, when women understand that and men understand that authority in its proper context. So we see authority as a general principle. We see it as the way Jesus taught. We see it in, the, in a military example. And then we also see it in a, in a corporate church gathering. Authority is a good thing. It brings order. But our hearts, man's heart, we tend to reject authority. Why? I believe there's two basic reasons. Number one, either we have or we know someone who has or we read something about someone who has been neglected or abused because the authority was out of control. The authority was an abuser. The authority was a neglector. And so man's heart will now start to rebel against authority. And you could even say rightly because they are, uh, they've been hurt. They've been abused by authority. They see the authority as corrupt. Why do we have such a hard time in Amer- with American politics? It's, it's corruption. The whole outfit's corrupt. Now we know that the only time we're going to have true righteous rule is when Christ comes back and sets up His kingdom reign. Amen. We know that. But in the meantime, it would be nice to have righteous people ruling so we can enjoy some better benefits here on the earth, right? So we see the corruption and our hearts say, I'm staying away from that authority, that's bad. Do you know how much corruption is in the Amish and Mennonites communities? They have a spirit of isolation. You know what that breeds? Abuse. I got brought up in the Roman Catholic Church. It won't take you long to go to Google and find out story after story after story about abuse within that Roman Catholic Church. Mormon Church as well. Especially with their doctrine of multiple wives. That is a breeding ground for sexual abuse. but don't think it doesn't knock at Baptist doors. You know what the big scandal is now? Independent Baptist abusers, not preachers. And I'm for every every whistleblower that exposes abusers. It don't matter to me if they have KJV on their sign or Independent Baptist on their sign. They're 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 not a preacher. They're an abuser if they've created a culture of abuse, if they've hid it under the rug. You know why a lot of people don't want to come to church anymore? Because of that junk. They are so sick and tired of authority. They've taken authority to a level of abuse and it's not right. It's not biblical. And we need to stand 100% against that type of culture. But there is another reason why we don't like authority. It is because 
our hearts, well, we really just want to be self-ruled. And so there is that reason as well. It's where we get the word selfishness. We want our own desires. We want self-rule. And so we tend to shy away from any type of authority. Concerning our families, we need to break down some barriers and get an understanding of what God wants. So I'd like to play a game uh, as we get three passages of very familiar Scripture. You all know this. Get Exodus 20. But we're going to read these verses together. Exodus 20. <coughs> Ephesians 6. Exodus 20, Ephesians 6. I know you know these verses. Okay, and then Colossians 3. Colossians chapter number 3. All right. Exodus 20, Ephesians 6, and Colossians 3. Now I want you to listen to these verses. We're going to read them all. Keep your finger in all three of these spots. We're going to read them all. And you remember we played the lowest, you had to identify the lowest common denominator in school? Well, this one we're going to identify the highest, the most important common denominator in all of these verses. I'm sure it's going to jump right out at you. Exodus 20, look at verse number 12. The Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. That's Exodus 20, verse 12. Now let's go over to Ephesians chapter 6. We're looking for the highest common denominator here. The highest common phrase. Ephesians 6, watch what it says. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then finally, turn over to Colossians chapter number 3 and look at verse number 20. Colossians 3, and it's the 20th verse. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. <laughs> what is the highest common denominator, youngins, in each of those verses, call it out. Lord. The Lord, right? What is it? The Lord. the Lord. The Lord. The Lord. God, in these three verses, Exodus 20, Ephesians 6, and Colossians 3, God is teaching a presuppositional thought that should be in every child's mind. Now, they're either going to have it put there because they've read the Bible or their Sunday school teacher read the Bible to them or their preacher pointed it out to them or their parents showed them this. And I believe it should start with the parents. That it's the Lord. And the child must view their parents in this picture that the Lord says honoring them is a very important and a very weighty matter. They're seeing that the Lord wants them to pay very, very attention. Because honoring them and listening to them and obeying them, it's very, very weighty. 
And that needs to be implanted in a young boy or girl's mind very early. This is a, this is well-pleasing to the Lord. This is an honorable thing to honor God. And you know what? It don't take long for a child to reach, I would say, as, long, as young as 10 years old to see a wrongdoing in dad or something that mom slipped up on. It doesn't say honor them if they do everything 100% right because parents are going to make mistakes. Take a well-pleasing, presuppositional mindset that says, I know it's honoring to the Lord, so I'm going to honor my father, I'm going to honor my mother. And you think Jesus' parents did everything right? Jesus never sinned. He honored, and it was well-pleasing to His heavenly Father. The last days, if you can go to 2 Timothy 3, you know if you've been here any length of time, this is one of my favorite verses. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we won't stay there long, but our culture represents the last days. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, and watch what it says in verse number two. Disobedient to parents. Do you know our culture, our American culture, our nation, we would honestly be respected more worldwide if our young people had respect of their parents, if they had respect of the authority figures. Now, we can certainly argue that the authority figures, some of them aren't respectful. But there is a picture described when there's disobedience with children. It's just way off. And defiance, young people, of parental authority just reflects a breakdown of culture. It shows that the culture is degrading downward. And go to Proverbs 30. Let's see what God says about that. Child disobedience, it really is. An, it, it's an evil thing. And it shouldn't be. It's a reflection of the last days. This training starts at home. Proverbs 30. Look at verse 17. The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagles shall eat it. Remember that in, the, in Matthew 13, all those parables, parable of the sower, and that seed was thrown on the wayside, and it wasn't good for nothing. No good fruit came out of it. Those fowls of the air just come and pluck it up. I mean, we got some wayside houses. That same path of, of rebellion has been walked across so much uh, that same path of distraction with worldly things and music and ungodly friends, that path has been walked so much, it's just become wayside. Man, you're going to have the ravens of the valley come down and pluck everything right out. It's an evil thing, disobedience. Soil's been hardened. And it isn't going to end well. When you have a dead spirit, just like you, a dead, a, that spirit of rebellion... It feels like it's just deadening in the home. You know what ravens of the valley do? 
They circle until they find a dead carcass. Then they take it. God help us. We must build our families. We must urge our spouses and our children for the sake of God Almighty and for the purpose of His glory. Young people, don't ever mock your father. Don't ever shame your mother. Honor them. It's well-pleasing to God. We have responsibilities, fathers. I'd like to get three more verses that you're familiar with. Ephesians 6 will be the first stop. And if you can get 1 Thessalonians 2, Ephesians 6, you already have that. Stay there in Ephesians 6. If you could get 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and then also Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Let's start in Ephesians chapter number 6. The problem, ultimately, I remember, I'm not going to park here too long, but I remember my wife and I already raised two children. They're doing fine in New Jersey, raising their families. We're proud, Paps and Mimi. We're, we're, we're proud. But I remember we were going through some times trying to raise our kids and we got a hold of some good Bible preaching. We found out it was not the kids' problem. <laughs> we found out, oh, it's us. And we had to start working on parenting. <laughs> and I'm telling you, from example and from experience, the responsibility is on the parents. Even more so, the responsibility is on tag. We're it, fathers. <laughs> the responsibility is on us. Many of us have to grow up. <laughs> And have to be all that God would have us to do and be. Ephesians 6, look at verse number 4. And I would like you to point out, we're going to play the same game. We're going to pick out the highest common phrase, highest common denominator. Ephesians 6, verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. All right, very familiar. Go to First Thessalonians two. First Thessalonians two. First Thessalonians two. Look at verse number eleven. The Bible says, "And ye know how we exhorted, and comforted, and charged every one of you." First Thessalonians two, verse eleven. As a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto His kingdom and glory. Finally, let's read Hebrews chapter 12 and then I'll ask some questions. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 9. Hebrews 12, verse number 9. Bible says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh um, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father 
of spirits and live. Now in the book of Numbers, that's an Old Testament phrase. It talks about the God of the spirits of all flesh. That'd be God. <laughs> okay. But in those three verses, Ephesians 6, 1 Thessalonians 2, and Hebrews 12, what was the, what's the common phrase? It's actually phrased differently in each one, but it's the common theme. What is it, young ones? Father. Fa the Father of God, the Lord. The admonition to children is the same admonition to the fathers. Who are we looking toward? God. God. If you are doing something as a father because you just have to get your way, we are mature enough and intellectually strong enough to justify that spiritually. And we're wrong in doing it. Our kids aren't mature enough intellectually to put the arguments together as well as adults. So it tends to turn into something that is obviously wrong. <laughs> we need to check our own hearts. Are we doing what we are doing? Are we asking what we are asking because we're frustrated and all we do is parent because frustration is entered? Or are we doing what we're doing because we honestly, honestly are looking to the Lord and this is what is best for the child? Now, if you're like me, you've been guilty of doing it the wrong way. We all have. But it is our responsibility, fathers. There's two main ditches of parenting that cause trouble in homes. And I am not innocent of falling into both of these ditches. With God's help, I'll stay out of them. But the first one is the dictator. The dictator says, I've got the rules. You've got my rules and obey my rules. <laughs> Why? Because I make the money and the golden rule is whoever makes the gold makes the rules. <laughs> so, so just get in line and everything will be fine. And by the way, the rules must be carried out perfectly. Now straighten up, soldier! Uh, except your home isn't the military. <laughs> and we can take some things that are true and we can... We can so skew them to cover up what our real hard attitude is, which is dictatorial control, not trying to honor the Lord. And I want to know where the nurture of the Lord comes in on that. Where does the comfort of the Lord come in on that? I think one of the hardest doctrines to really understand in the Bible to play it out in your life in a real way is the physical chastisement of children. I believe it's right. I do. But I believe it's wrong if it's done with a heart full of anger and that child leaves that event emotionally disturbed. The chastisement must come. The, 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 the spanking from a, a, a thin rod that isn't going to break the child's back, but is going to, it's going to sting them into reality. <laughs> uh, what comes after that? Is it yelling and screaming and fits and doors slamming and walls getting broken and, 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 and this whole big mess of a tornado? Does the comfort come in afterwards? Does the nurturing happen 
to finish out that event so that they know that you love them and you're doing what you're doing because you love the Lord? Or is it just, I'm kind of really worn out right now and I'm going to take it out on you, buddy? Now, I've done both. And I'll tell you, they're both not right. <laughs> That's the dictatorial nut. And it ends up costing a father and a mother their children. They become bitter, not because dad wasn't around and not because dad didn't chastise them, but because dad was harsh and provoking and he left out comfort and nurturing. That's why their hearts turn bitter. The next thing their hearts do is their hearts start to distance themselves from their parents, which means no conversations. The conversations are cut off. They're short. Why? They're trying to distance themselves. And finally, it ends up with them rejecting their parents because of the hypocritical attitudes that they've seen growing up. Now, if we're honest, we can say that we've all been guilty of that probably more times than we'd like to admit. And probably seasons of life where we've recognized it and we've gotten it right. But maybe we need to review it so we don't go back to that season. Okay? You cannot be a dictatorial leader and expect good results. The child will respect you because of fear not because of love. And when, you in, when, and when you ingest fear, when you inject fear, not the reverent fear of God, when you inject this harsh, bitter fear, children will start building up walls of resentment. And the dictator is this, harsh, with all rules, a lot of shouting, and they're very insensitive. Watch out, a car! Works if you didn't spend all week yelling at them. <laughs> because when you have to raise your voice and yell, and all they do is hear you yell and scream and yell at mom, and, 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 and the whole house is a big battlefield, when you have to say, watch out for that car, they're not hearing it. They've completely tuned you out. Yell when you need to sound off the warning. I'm not saying you shouldn't be firm with your child when they need it. I am not saying that we shouldn't raise our voice and say, uh, 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 I, I need you to look at me. Hey, this is important. I am not saying we shouldn't be doing that. Put those things over here. Those things are right and need to be done. What I'm saying is the harsh yelling and screaming that's on kind of a steroid overdose of anger, that is not biblical, no matter how you slice it. Now, the other problem we have as parents, as Christian parents, they're not dictatorial at all. They're just permissive. They're always hoping for the best. These parents, they lack confidence. They're just afraid to admit that they lack confidence. And as a result, they too end up being frustrated 
because their kids are just getting ruder and ruder and more spoiled and more spoiled. The permissive parent is overly attentive to their child. And what happens is the children become the kings or the queens of the castle. This is the permissive parent. Happiness belongs to them. They're my child. And they're not allowed to cry. <laughs> oh, no, he's crying. Give him a, give him a sucker. Oh, he's crying. It's okay if he cries something out. I'm not talking about a hurt cry and all that, moms. You know how to identify that. But they're never allowed to cry. They're always, always having what they want. Can I have a cookie? It's 6 a.m. Can I have a cookie? Yeah, sure. Can I have another cookie? It's 7 a.m. Yeah, sure. They happy. They just make them happy. Give them permission on everything. <laughs> Young people, who came up with that idea? Not God. That was the devil. <laughs> the devil's telling you, you need to have every... It's humanistic psycho babblers that came up with that idea. Parents, if we don't have any... If we have no backbone, we are going to get no respect. <laughs> and it's going to be our fault because we've fallen in the ditch of just permissiveness. Here's the most famous phrase mentioned by frustrated, passive parents that's ever been said. I'm just so glad they're old enough to go to school because now I can get a break. Do parents need breaks? They do. Is it healthy for moms and dads to get breaks? It is. Do most moms who have been raising their kids need a break when the father comes home? They do. Is it nice to get a break when the children do go to school? Yes, it is. So, look, I'm not going down the path that if you send your school, you're somehow send your kid to school, you're somehow the will of God. What I am saying is, if that thought is rooted in the fact that you're frustrated because you've just been so permissive. And you're upset now and frustrated because you're getting no respect and the behavior's getting worse. Sending them to school isn't going to fix it. That's what I'm saying. The child gets to school and the child finds out he can't get all he wants. That's when they find out. So the permissive parent, they're not harsh, they're just real soft. The permissive parent, they're not all rules. There's just no rules. Anybody here grow up with no rules, no consequences? That's just as harsh as having all the rules. Both is harsh on the child. You see a guy just flipping out on his child at, at a grocery store, and you think, man, that guy's just harsh. But the guy that's not having any rules at all on his children, you don't see it, but that's just as harsh on the child's heart. They need structure. They need that. They don't shout. Permissive parent, you're not going to see them shouting and screaming. They're just going to be bargaining. Well, if I give you this cookie, will you be quiet? Okay. Not right. And they're not insensitive people. Everything is based around feelings. Well, how do you feel? How do you feel? Well, come snuggle with me. I'll make you feel better. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? It's all feelings. There's no balance. 
This provokes them the wrath, Ephesians 6. They end up not walking worthy of God, 1 Thessalonians 2. And they never learn how to accept correction and be in subjection, Hebrews 12. Young people, who are we why are we ultimately obeying the Lord? Who is it for? Or why are we ultimately obeying our parents? Who is it for? The Lord. Parents and older folks, why are we uh, training our children and bringing them up uh, the, the right way? Who is it for? It's for the Lord. We need to find this, this balance um, so that we can take correction from the Lord, get ourselves in line, and then we can model that children see us being corrected and getting in line, and they are more likely to do it. Um, what? Here's God's way. We'll wrap up with this. In John 1, what does the Bible say concerning Jesus? What was He full of? Grace, grace, and truth. He was full of truth? Yes. He was full of grace? Yes, but you're saying it like they're isolated and all, each on their own island. He's got both. Grace and truth. How do you push out the fear? You inject it with some grace. How do you teach truth? The best way to teach truth is to graciously model it. Are we modeling Christ who is full of grace and truth? Are we modeling that to our children? Where truth now becomes something they want not just something they know intellectually. That's very, very important. It's very key. And then you can turn a resentful, bitter relationship into something beautiful. That's God's ideal. Do you and I have moments of, well, we fail? We do, we do, we do. I'm not trying to diminish that, but let's work toward not having a lot of those this week. Last one, 1 John 4. God's way is the parent should be full of grace and truth. They should model love. And as they do that, the child will begin to respect out of love rather than fear. Fear moves out, love moves in. 1 John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in what? Say it again. There is no fear in love. How do you discipline in love? <laughs> How do you train your child in love? How do you instruct your child in love? In love. And it will cast out fear. This isn't the reverential fear that we have of the Lord. This is, I'm hiding in the closet because mom's coming after me with the vacuum cleaner. Okay, this is something bad has gone off. Whoo! Or the broom or whatever. <laughs> there is no fear in love, 
What does perfect love do? Let's read the verse. 1 John 4, verse 18. But perfect love casteth out what? Fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. The biggest mistake that we make as parents is we are consistently inconsistent. <laughs> oh, we're consistent. It's just our consistency is inconsistent. <laughs> and this message is designed to help put us back on the right way so we're doing it God's way. We're not falling into the off the cliff of dictatorial parenting and we're not falling off the cliff of permissive parenting. We're trying to get right here in the middle and do it God's way. Let's be full of grace and truth and let's focus on not being insensitive, not being super sensitive, but let's focus on being sensitive to the will of God and all that we do in, in parenting is about casting out fear because we're looking to the Lord. We're doing what we're doing in love, not frustration. And we'll start to see over time changes and walls start to come down. Let's try to, let's try to do that this week and this month. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.